Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. The mess hall is crowded, but not for a meal. The colonel put out the call for a top priority operation only an hour ago, and the room bursts with his hand-picked men as well as volunteers. The Lakelanders are quiet, well-trained, and stoic. The guardsmen are much rowdier, though Farley is anything but. She's been reinstated as a captain, but shows no sign of noticing. She sits in silence, absently twisting a red scarf around her hands. When I enter the mess, flanked by my brothers, the noise dies away and every eye watches me. Except Farley. She doesn't look up at all. Lori and Damien actually clap as I walk across the room, making me blush. Ada joins in, and then, to my delight, Nanny stands up next to her, as does Cameron. They made it. I exhale a little, trying to feel relieved, but there's still no sign of Nix, Gareth, or Ketha. They could have chosen not to come. They must be sick of danger by now. That's what I tell myself as I sit down next to Farley. Bree and Tramie follow, taking the seats directly behind me, like bodyguards. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 31, Glass Sword, Chapter 29. So Mare's delighted to see Cameron, I guess. I guess that they're... She says she's not dead. It's like, oh, you're alive. Cameron's not dead. So So glad glad that Cameron's not dead. Just the claps. (laughs) So glad that Cameron's not dead. Okay. That went on a little too long. I appreciate you guys giving me the two beats for just the class. Although I don't think that Nanny would ever get tired of danger. Which is why she's there. Right. Is danger her middle name? (laughs) What was it we were watching the other day where somebody named their kid Danger? And I was like, how'd you not make it his middle name? Master Chef. Master Chef. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how's that not his middle name? God, really dropping the ball there. For real. Yeah, somebody was like, this is my son, Danger, or whatever. <laughs> it's like. <sighs> Austin Danger Power? Yes, Danger is my middle name. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, my gosh. So, we've got a meeting. I guess they're getting ready to lay out the plan for the big yeah. saving the Operation Human Shield. <laughs> heavy hitters. Heavy hitters are coming in. Kalorn, Cal. Julia and Sarah, like, all come in together. So the it's, mess hall just, like, stops. Right. Like, when the Cullens walk in in Twilight. Because all the these silvers are walking yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody and just, just stops like, and is like. Isn't it interesting, though, at the way things started, silvers. that Killorn is walking in with Cal? It's like, yes. there's this, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> this weird. This is funny. Yes, like, those two just have this weird bond yeah. now. I I imagine it was, how what was it, four days or whatever that Mare was unconscious after the sounding Probably. device? Like, those two sat there by her. And oh, yeah. I think there's a respect there. Yeah. Them. yeah. Yeah. Very much like, you know, we'll just let her pick whichever one right. she picks after all this is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Cal was the one And who- she's like, Maven, yay! <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> Uh, Cal was the one who <laughs> told her why Kalorn was so mad in the first place. Like he just exactly. he's his own person. He's an adult. Let him make his own choices. You keep treating him like a child. Right. 
Well, Kalorn was also, or Cal was also the one Kalorn was going to to ask if he could go. Right. And it was always like, that's not up to me. That's up to Mare. And Kalorn yeah. would just be like, well, never mind on that. You know, it's like that kid that used to come over and ask the, if the boys could play. Can they play now? Which I know I've made that analogy before. But that's exactly what it was. Yep. So just him going up to Cal and being like, are you in charge of who goes tomorrow? No, dog. Sorry. Dang it. It's going to be a hard pass, dog. Yep. Thanks, Randy. It's a no from me. So, yeah, this whole mess hall is completely blown away by the fact that there are silvers there. They're not happy about it at all. Everybody's in an uproar, you know, I just, background I, noise of rhubarb, 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 rhubarb. I just imagine that the doors like burst open and they just come striding in. Yeah. You know, the big dramatic entrance. Cal walks in like Conor McGregor. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Kalorn wants to know, you know, what's this all about? And Mares just looks at him like, you don't know. I mean, obviously you know what this is all about. Kalorn thinks that this might be more of the BS propaganda right. that they were filming. He's like, okay, is this real or is this something that you guys are doing for show? He did not like Mare still playing a role. Right. Because yeah. before she was like, I don't want to play a role anymore and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden she's holding she's Alara's a, dead she's body up in like front a of Muppet. her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think Kalorn was like, that's not my friend. I don't know who that person is. So he's he's trying to keep things light, but he is really worried about Where slash scared of yeah. Mare at Which this I point. I think it's a good as a good a good thing to be with Mare at this point. Yeah, and Mare is kind of confused as to why he's coming at her in this jovial way and not like, "Girl, what the bleep is the matter with you?" You know, because the last time they saw each other. He was pulling her off of Farley when they were screaming at each other about who was more upset of Shade dying. So, right. you know, which is probably not the worst Kalorn's ever seen Mare, but probably close. Yep. Yeah. And now he's just coming back in like, hey, what's, what's, what's up? up? What's this all about? What's this meeting thing? And she's just like, really? Really? Why are you being Mr. Casual? And he, he just tells her to blow it off, you know, the fight with Farley. You weren't yourself. You're in mourning. She's also in mourning, you know. Right. Would you shake say, it off? I was going to say, would you say he tells her to shake it off? Shake it off. Yeah. Oh, your dad was going to go for the reference Aww. first. He's that's trying. That's really sweet. Well, I mean, I'm around two Swifties on a regular basis. On a regular basis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, let's not wear the finish each other sandwiches shirts at Disney World. <laughs> I still survive high for that. Okay. Wow. Kalorn also does tell her here that if she goes off the rails like that again, that they'll settle it stilts style. Oh, yeah. Which Ooh. I'm not really sure what that means. I don't think I want to know. Yeah. But I, she, it probably involves mud. Right. But at that time, yeah. she didn't shoot electricity out of her hand. So it's not this is really also a fair true. fight anymore. I think he knows that she probably would not ever shoot it at him. 
Unless that, she really, really lost control. Right. Right. He he might just mean like, you know, noogies or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what style is. <laughs> Noogie. I don't know. I feel like but it's she definitely smiles most like, here. like mud with a yeah. bunch of rocks yeah. and like small sticks in it. Probably. Yeah. Just like a mud pie fight or something. <sighs> <sighs> like scratches everywhere. Little tiny. Yeah. <sighs> Probably. I don't know. Whatever. He does, he does hear her say, I've seen you way worse than that. Like, which he has. Yeah. If you, if you think that was the worst of it, then your memory is pretty bad because I've pulled you <laughs> out of some worse stuff than that. And so he, he wants to know before the colonel comes in if this, what they're getting ready to do was her plan or his plan. Cause he's, Testing the psycho stick. Like, all yeah. right, this plan is crazy. Is this yours or is this <laughs> his? And right then, before she can answer, the doors do burst open and everybody stops to look at the <laughs> colonel who just strides in like he does own the place. Cause, yeah, more or less does. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that eye is kind of disarming everywhere you go like we haven't even gotten to our fan casting but can you not see Stephen lane kicking that door in and just every single in? time yeah. yeah every single time uh mayor real quick under her breath tells Kalorn this was her idea so if you think somebody's <laughs> psychotic then guess what that's me that's mayor i put the hot and psychotic uh the captain you know tells everybody basically to shut up and the lakelanders sit down and shut up and everybody else is kind of like, I mean, I guess <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to look like we fall in line here. But again, the red eye yeah. kind of shuts everybody down. It's it's probably just like really unsettling to yeah. look at. Yeah, and I think he commands the respect of the Lakelanders and the Scarlet Guard, though, because he is the colonel for them, and I think they do respect him as that. And everyone else just kind of falls in right as it quietens he starts the speech with those three back there are silvers pointing to cal julian and sarah Uh i like this that he says this and that you won't treat them any differently than any other ally any other brother or sister at arms you are proven allies yeah you are to welcome them in here i've said it's fine this is not you know they're not spies and everybody pretty much shuts up. Yep. Like, if he says it, then that must be the way it is. I like so, that yeah. I like that he brought this up. And I think with them bringing Alara back, he sees what Cal has done f- to help them. And probably, if he was around Cal for even five minutes when he's around all the little new blood kids, oh, how yeah. can you not be like, okay, this guy's all right? Right. But a lot of these people just haven't seen that side yet because they haven't been back to Tuck. Well, I mean, I guess it's only been, like, what, maybe a week? Like a hot minute, yeah. But still, there's probably new people. I don't know how often soldiers turn over, Lakelanders, new ones come down or whatever, but there are shipments that come in on a regular basis, so there must be some sort of turnover. Yep. So just to let anybody that's new here know... You know, these silvers are okay. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag not all silvers. Deal with it. Get used to seeing silvers here. Don't yeah. freak out. Right. We have no reason not to 
trust them. Right. But again, he throws in a yet. Yes. So. Because he is the colonel. Jack Black pops up. Although use of the word yet. Although. It's like, all right, not now, Jack. We'll talk about this later. (laughs) We can't talk about Evil Dead 2 right now. I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. I'd say you're lying. You saw it once with me and once with Laura. It's a double reference, Evil Dead 2 and. And High High Fidelity. Fidelity. Uh, So, (laughs) sorry, side side sidetrack for the Gen Xers in the audience. Uh, The colonel tells them, he starts in on his speech. Uh, you know, you're here because you volunteered for an operation without knowing what it is. That's true bravery, and I commend you all for it. I, I kind of had to wonder here how many of them, like, honestly volunteered and how many were voluntold that right. this is what they were going to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like probably... I'm sorry, voluntold is such a good word. Have I you ever like... heard that before? I have. Oh, okay, I was going to say. Yeah, I've... During church, a lot of stuff was voluntold. Oh, you yes. know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like Mayor and the new blood she's with, like Cameron, Nanny, those ones obviously volunteer because they're going to go no matter what. Right. But as far as like, yeah, the Lakelanders and the other Scarlet Guards, like, sure, they don't want to see 15-year-olds go either, but none of them actually want to go to the choke either. <laughs> right, right. There's a meat grinder. Exactly. And uh, so he says, um, as you know, the lowered conscription age has resulted in younger soldiers down to the age of 15. At present, one such legion is on their way to the war front, 5,000 strong, all with only two months of training. This this causes an angry murmur. Rhubarb, 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 angry rhubarb. Yeah, angry rhubarb. Uh, so nobody's happy about that. He says, we owe our gratitude to Mayor Barrow and her team for giving us this information. So, Cameron, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know Cameron's sitting over there like, mm-hmm. that was my information, not Mayor's. Well, to be fair, it was like when they got back, almost all of Mayor's team knew this information. So the actual original... That's true. Source was completely lost on the colonel. But putting Mare's name out there is going to tie her to trying to save all these people. You know what I'm saying? He's very skilled in the way he's wording right. this to make sure that people know they can put their trust in Mare. They can put their trust in these people. I've also told you. You know what I mean? He's laying right. things out the way he, he needs to he, say them. He understands that quite like in another YA book series we're talking about possibly doing in the future, The Hunger Games. Oh, we're doing it. That Katniss was the face of the rebellion. He understands that Mare, the lightning girl, is the face of the rebellion against Silvers. So making her look as good as possible and heroic is in everyone's best interest. Right. Plus he also, you know, has had that meeting with funky looking twins or whatever that yeah. want to make her you know this book's version of the Mockingjay right so you know it's it's known as far south as where they came from Piedmont is that right no south of Piedmont then no the funky looking twins were no they, where were they were they north they were from like west eastern northern <laughs> 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 they're from Mia's pointing <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't help. And she's not, she's pointing like up in the south. air, kind of at an angle. 
where you're pointing yeah. south. But. No, no, no. Um, like, I think they're from, like, uh, the, like, west. They're from, like, the... West to north. The upper west side. The I, upper peninsula? What I are we talking about here? Anyway. There's a, there's a map somewhere. I'll look at it. We'll find this out eventually. Regardless. Montfort is what it's called. Montfort. Okay. Yeah. Montfort, yeah. Is what it's called. It's south of Piedmont then, I think. Anyway. I don't think it's so. It's like Peter though. McNichol from Ghostbusters 2. He has that ridiculous accent. Where are you from? The upper upper Vest Side. Side? Yeah. Uh, Mayor Flinch is here. We have a Flinch count of one so far. For those of you keeping track at home. I'm uh, really sorry. What? <laughs> For those of you keeping track of a flinch oh, count yeah. at home, please find something better to do. <laughs> or send it to us. Either yeah, or way. also send it to us. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to keep wasting your time, we don't have time, time to go this, back and do that. So <laughs> then send it to us, please. We all work and, and go to school full time. So, or, and or go to school full time. Um, Mare thinks to herself, these people belong either to Farley or Cal. You know, again, where she's like, I don't want to be the center of attention, but then when she's not, she's like, okay, I want to be the center of attention. <laughs> so she's only deflecting it right now because she is. Right. So later on when she's not, she'll be like, hey. Remember me? Yeah. Because she's the JD. She only wants what she can't have. <laughs> Look at me. The The captain continues on his pep talk about Mare. Uh, to say that she was also the first to volunteer to stop this tragedy before it happens. Again, another half-truth, because Cameron was the first one to be like, I'm going to go whether y'all go yeah. or not. Cameron's like, I'm going either way. But uh, it was Mayor's but, idea to actually come up with the strategy to for, take more people and be able to stop it. For this mission that the colonel is putting together, Mayor was the first person to volunteer. Yeah. Yes. It says that Kalorn's neck cracks. He turns his head so quickly to stare at Mare. Like, you've done all of this to stay out of the choke. And now you're volunteering to go. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> like, girl, say what? Yeah. You're the first one to go. You, that's unbelievable. Mare can't even tell, like, what his like, true reaction angry, really is. Impressed? Both. Both? Yeah. You know, did he not think that I would be able to step up and make this sacrifice? Then she realizes that everybody else is staring at her, too, which I don't know what she thought was going to happen. Right. Um, but the she says, she tells them they've been nicknamed the Little Legion, like, to help get everybody on their side. You know, they uh, even know that these are the, the young, right. stupid people. Operation Tiny Human Shield. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She says, according to our information, the children will be sent directly into the choke, past the trench lines. The king wants them dead to scare our people into silence. And he'll succeed if we don't do something. I proposed a two-prong operation led by Colonel Farley and myself. And then so she explains that uh, she'll go into the Legion while they're outside of Corvium and she's going to take soldiers that can pass for 15 or 16. So she wants young-looking people that she's going to... Take with her. You know, put in a smattering of people right. into this thing um, and infiltrate them. And then the 
Colonel is going to fly to the other side of the border and come down from the Lakelander side. So it's going, they're going to press in from either side and sandwich the enemy on the inside. This is uh, actually quite the impressive plan. It's not bad. It's not bad, but Considering- somebody yells from the, from the crowd that that's suicide. Like basically taking that few people to meet up against all these people in the choke, you're going to die. Right. And how are you going to get them out of there? Exactly. Exactly. So that's when the colonel tells them that he has contacts within the army, you know, that they'll be able to move safe and sound through everything. And once uh mayor can get her people into or across the trench to be able to fight, you know, put the new bloods in with the regular soldiers so they can catch them off guard. Then the colonel will let his people know and everybody will be evacuated out and ferried out except for those that remain to actually fight. So it's, it's a heavy body presence at first. And then once the initial core mission is completed, everybody will back off except for the primary people going in the the ones that are going to go in and yes. do this fight that doesn't calm anybody down no. <laughs> they are still convinced that this is you know complete suicide it's the craziest plan cal is super not happy about this he knows what's down there he knows the fighting that goes on and he doesn't think that this is enough to be able to make any kind of difference there. Like you're trying to save 5,000 people with 100. That's not, you can't. Right. That math doesn't work, you know. Did Cal do this math? He must have. He must have. Cal math? But you guys all got to understand, you're trying to save five, you can't take 10,000 people because you're not trying to battle 5,000. You're trying to get most of them out without killing them. Exactly. Right, you want everybody to get out. teenagers. So... That's supposed to be the idea. Right. Right. Cal falls back on history. He says this war has been going on for a hundred years and no Norton army has ever successfully crossed the choke to the other side. We've never been able to push it all the way through. And, you know, they point out that this is the first time they've ever had a helping hand on the other side under, you know, an undercurrent on both sides working together instead of just battle, battle, battle. They'll be, they'll still be battle, battle, battle on top, but it'll be kind of like the Star Wars episode of Phineas and Ferb where the subplot line is going <laughs> on underneath. You right. know, it'll look like a battle, but underneath they're just trying to get the decoy legion through to be able to well, fight. I think that the whole, point is to just make sure that everybody gets out. Right. It is. They don't want anybody to necessarily be left there. Well, but they're leaving the people there to fight through. For what? What? The point that I'm making is who are they leaving? Because they're taking all of the actual children out who's left the young looking new bloods they're leaving them there to fight yeah 
Why? Because that's the only way they can make headway against the Lakelanders that they're battling. See, remember, the colonels jumped ship at this point in time. And they're going to go and try to fight the Silver Lakelanders. Yeah, but... But the Silver Lakelanders are used to just fighting a bunch of doormat reds. And now they're sending kid reds, which are going to be even worse. So their idea is to take a bunch of kid-looking new bloods and drop them in there. And then basically like they did at the prison, only on a bigger scale. And so Cal is like, that's never going to work. I've been in those trenches. I know what they're up against. And the colonel says, how long has it been there since you've been there? And Cal says it's been at least six months because that's how long he's been. You know, our story's been taking place. Right. And uh, the colonel says, well, six months ago, there were uh, nine legions of Lakelanders, enough to match Norton numbers. Now there's only two. So they've lost, if if all legions are 5,000, they've lost 35,000 people. Right. So, and haven't replaced them. And haven't replaced them. And there's another 50,000 marching now. So if they do all that, just remove the 5,000 young ones and replace with some new bloods, that's a lot more firepower than they're used to. And they can cross and get away. And here's the, the thing that Cal, because... Cal's going to see it as a silver. What? Nothing. Keep going. Cal's going to see this as a silver. Right. Which the silver... Military strategist as well. Right. Which the silvers are seeing it as one side versus the other. Mm -hmm. There are Lakelanders and Norton Reds here together and working together. Because remember, it's not like the Lakelanders hate... The other reds, this is silvers using them. Exactly. Against each other. So everybody's just trying to topple right. this so caste system. Colonel has information probably from the other side's reds that Cal doesn't understand that they're talking. It's like he's thinking, well, why would they talk to you? Because they're reds. Silvers are the ones that are fighting. They're just using reds as soldiers. Right. Colonel's getting information from both sides. So he knows what probably more than any of the silvers do what's actually at the choke. Oh, yeah. He, he, I'm sure they repeatedly get people back and forth right. from there, you know, so. For all we know, maybe the Reds that are the Lakelanders that are on the other side have already been told, okay, when this new Legion comes through, let them go through. Right. Because of what your silver say, don't act, you know what I mean? Since there's only two Legions, let them get through yeah. and they can get to the other side and get away. Right. Well, the whole point is that the Colonel said... I am already in with that army. Yeah. You'll just be able to walk through. So everyone, they're not actually trying to get, make any headway for Norda. They don't care if Norda wins this war. Yeah, they just want the 5,000 kids out. They want the 5,000 kids out, and then the people that are there are just going to walk all the way across and go into the disputed lands. Yep, and get away. So they're not actually going to be doing any real fighting. No. No, but but they have the heavy hitters there if they do have to fight. Plus, that way... If something breaks bad, then they've already got the people there that need to be doing the fighting. But everybody is going to go through the same way. Yes. They're not going to be able to take the kids out earlier everyone is going to have to go all the way through right but they've got reds with abilities which can help if needed right yeah and funnel through and deal with the silvers on that army side that are controlling the little legion that's a big part is having those reds mixed in so they could turn on the silvers that are controlling that little legion and break them free from them to get across 
the choke. Yeah. Yeah. Cal thinks it's a better idea to just infiltrate the group at Corvium and make them turn around. (laughs) Can we just, can we just not, you know, just get them at the beginning and turn, turn them all around. How he thinks that all the the silvers that are driving that army are not just going to start firing on them. Right. I'm not sure. Plus, you turn around and take them back to where they were, and then they're still just under silver control. You haven't gotten them out of there. They're just right back where they started. Exactly. And so Cal's like, are you going to do a diversion then or some sort of trap? You know, what's your plan to actually get these people across when nobody else has been able to do it before and that's when uh that's when the colonel says yeah that's exactly what i intend to do you know so they're going to make it look like this is going on but everybody's just going to step back and walk and let mayor walk through right yeah and cal doesn't get this because he's like but the lakelanders army side is not going to let that happen the silvers may not, but there's 10,000 reds that are being controlled by a handful of silvers. Right. This is going to be the first time when they can actually yes. stand up against them. And I guarantee the reds, even on the other side, are like, really? You're sitting 15-year-olds? Yeah, I don't feel comfortable right. with that. And he can let them know. The colonel can say, hey, this is what's going on. Don't fire on the young-looking people. And let them get know. crossed, right. Yeah, because I think that's something that would bring everybody together, right. not wanting to kill and I, I think it's one children. of the things that <laughs> Maven doesn't other, get. He's uniting Reds all over the Right, place. right. And other Reds specifically at this point, it's like, hey, just let these let these people walk through. Right. Yeah. So Mayor gives the room a Jerry Maguire. Who's coming with me? Obviously, Kalorn is the first one to stand up. Duh. Me, me. Yeah. I got you, girl. Um, Cameron, Ada, Nanny, Darmian, even Herrick, which Mare is kind of like, really? Like, I thought you were sitting this all out. this stuff out. But I again, mean, he came to the meeting, didn't he? He came to the meeting. Um, and I think again, this Herrick is on the younger side. We know that. So he probably has friends or family that would have fallen into this category. Right. So he's going to want to be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, not cool. Um, Farley does not stand up, but like some of her kind of underlings or lieutenants stand stand up in her place. Um, and she's got like her scarf, the red scarf that she took off Kalorn. She's like wrapping it around her wrist, like tighter and tighter. Like you can't raise your hand, Diana. You can't raise your hand. You know, you got to sit down. You can't do this one. Cal also... Jumps to his feet, like, you know, of course I'm going to go. Um, and she just, Mare is not happy about that. She doesn't want Cal in harm's way, which, try and stop him. Come on. Mary. Are you kidding? Uh, honey. Uh, she, she says that they, they lock eyes and his, he's just like blazing his eyes into her, like daring her to say something, like try and stop me. And she says, it's a waste because there's nothing left in me to burn. Uh, Mare! Girl! She loves that drama. She really does. It's, it's insane. So now we switch gears completely from 
uh, the Jerry Maguire moment in the mess hall, and now we've hit somber time. We are at the makeshift funeral uh, tuck cemetery that's been thrown together for all of this, and we have gathered together to bury shade. Lots of tears. Grab your Kleenex. Speaking of grabbing Kleenex, that's the thing that I need to do. <laughs> Paul in here right now is insane. I don't know what it's like where everybody else is, but holy cow, right here, we're here in Missouri. Oh, it's it is so bad. Insane. It's like Scarface sneezed on your car every time you walk outside. And, and yeah, unfortunately, Mia was handed down allergies from both sides. Both sides. So. But yeah, sad time. And I think... Because this is another moment with Farley too coming up here, but I, I, Mayor at the meeting where they're talking about the plan, Farley's sitting there wrapping her hands with her scarf, trying to avoid raising her hand because she knows she wants to, but she can't. Right. Mayor still doesn't get it. Yeah, doesn't get it. She's so oblivious. We move right on to the funeral, and Mayor's just like doesn't even think. Why isn't Farley volunteering? That's odd. She's just, she's got, normally Mayor has a one-track mind, and now it has to be split into two. So she's already just, like, having issues dealing with having to concentrate on two things at the same time. Right. She cannot possibly f- uh, fit in Farley and a baby right. into this limited mind space that she has. She has to be overthinking everything else. So, And she's also... She almost makes Farley seem selfish in that instance. Oh, I know, yeah. Because all of her lieutenants are standing up and she's, and she's not. not. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, come on, Farley. You know, why are you not jumping to your feet to volunteer to go save all these kids? It's like, oh, girl. So there's there's not even headstones in this cemetery. They just put piles of rocks that people have probably painted on. You know, all of this is very... uh boomtown you know uh old west boomtown where things would just spring up so fast and then just be gone you know there's like an influx all of a sudden of thousands of people here where there wasn't anything before so and they're in the middle of a rebellion so there's bodies constantly piling up yeah flown in and buried here uh they shade is just in a simple plank coffin you know there's nothing fancy here um, and all the family is there. They have a body to bury. Mare thinks that they're actually lucky because they know what happened to Shade. They are, have his body there. They're able to say goodbye and then know where his final resting place is. And Mare thinks that, um, Nick's, Ketha, and Gareth's family are not so lucky. Or them as their makeshift family are not so lucky to be able to bury them. They just right. have to, you know, assume that because they didn't get back on the black run that they died in the prison and that's, that's it yeah. until they're proven wrong. That's all they have to do. And this is kind of where Mayor first realizes who really didn't make it back, I think, too, fully. Right. She says that, um, Ada has correlated that there are 42 total people that died. At the prison. But 300 survived. 45 total people. 42 plus... Oh, plus the other two. Yeah, plus the other three. So, Mare starts the... uh, Rationalizing of the deaths 
with the number of lives they saved. So we traded 45 for 300. Sounds like a good deal to me. <gasps> what is, th- I just, who is this person? Is this the same person that was like crying before the sun shooting because they were going to have to, you know, basically sacrifice, what was it, four people three. at that point in time? Three or four people, whatever the assassinations I were going to be. I only three intended targets. So back then she's saying, you know, no amount of rationalizing can uh make one death to save another okay and now she's like 45 for 300 that's okay i like those i like, <laughs> I like that those, percentage i like those numbers what those are some good numbers i mean i guess i mean but uh, looking at it from a military standpoint it's not a they i mean right if you're just looking at it from that standpoint yes that's but. just not where her head was right you know 50 chapters ago or whatever it was but also, um, these are, like, more general, larger numbers, and she doesn't know as many of these people. They're not, like, they're not all people whose names she really knows. Right. Yeah, but the ones she does know were Reds that she recruited that helped her go in to free Julian and Sarah. Right. And though. Three that she was so worried about were Silvers, who were part of the oligarchy that were holding Reds down in the first place. And she didn't, she's like, right. oh, we can't kill them no matter what. And now it's, yeah, I, I see her state of mind is definitely fallen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she doesn't really have a choice at this point, I don't think. You know what I mean? She's thrust into this situation and that's just the way it's going to have to be. She does pause to acknowledge in her own head that she doesn't like thinking that way. Yeah, the words but hurt. But that's what she has right. to do. That's just where they are right now. Um, The colonel has come out for the funeral, but more, he stays away, you know, stays a- aside from everything, more just to show a support for Farley. Which, again, Mare doesn't think is, like, super out of the ordinary. Uh, you think that the colonel uh, would show up if Shade was just Farley's random boyfriend? Come on, Mare. Right. And it's, I think she's just like, oh, he's here to comfort her. When has he ever done that before? Right. He doesn't even go near her to touch her. But Giza is... Comes up next to her side and puts her arm around Farley. This is the cutest thing. And, right. And Mare is surprised. She's like, I didn't know Giza and Farley knew each other. Oh my God. See, there's oh, so honey. much like, clear, like she's just not paying attention. She's such an ostrich. At that, and at that moment, it should have been like, Oh, clearly Shade and Farley were much closer than I thought if Giza was this close to Farley. No, she just thinks Giza's being kind. No, oh, of course. Uh-huh. I mean, she is, but. Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> There's oh more to gosh. it. Obviously, there's a closeness there. Right, right. Which and there's something that Giza knows that Mare clearly doesn't. Right, right. Because Giza is definitely of all of the Barrow kids that remain the observant. One. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. The most perceptive. One. Right. Uh, Mare is jealous. Because nobody's there to comfort her. Like, not even her family comes over to comfort her. Mare! Girl! She just doesn't get it. Like, 
all of these people here had a close relationship with Shade, but everybody should be comforting me. Not the woman carrying Shade's child or each other. Right. It's, It's She, again, just like I said earlier, she's no longer the center of attention, and now she's mad. Right. Shouldn't you be comforting your family? When she was the center of attention, Are you hugging your mom? Are you hugging your dad? Are you hugging Giza? Yeah. Are Bree and Trini squeezing you into some sort of hug sandwich where your (laughs) eyeballs are going to pop out? No. You're standing there by yourself feeling sorry for yourself instead of consoling with your family like you all should be as doing. someone with two older brothers that's a pretty accurate representation of what happens when they both hug you they at the have same squashed time. you into many a sandwich yes <laughs> to be fair grant can squash you into a sandwich on his own right with just his arms but it's even worse but when it's they even both worse it. when they both yeah when they come at you from either side um Kalorn is around but he can't be right, right there. This is he's taking this really hard. Um and Mare notices that he's sitting off by himself crying. Doesn't go to him. <laughs> the I, faces in this, I know, at this right? table. I'm just... gonna leave that silence in there so you guys realize that all of us were just sitting here at the table being like <laughs> Like just looking at each other. I I don't have words words no i need words for a podcast (laughs) (laughs) she's just so brain no work oblivious she is she's she's completely her brain is divided into two places and she can't do that yes because she needs to be catastrophizing both things and it's really hard work you guys hard you know how they really say hard. that humans like only use 15% of their brains or whatever? Mare's up to at least like a 35 here, right? <laughs> so she's just shorting herself out. It's error, error, abortly dry fail. It's just crazy. So Bree and Tramie start shoveling dirt into the grave. You know, the memorial service is over. I mean, there's not even there anybody, there's not even anybody there saying words. That's not what memorial services have become in this day and age where there are so many you know it's just a chance for everybody to stand around and be able to say their own personal goodbyes um mare is upset because number one cal is not there to provide her with warmth Uh from the wind she doesn't like it when cal's not near her but she won't admit that to herself (sighs) Um, she doesn't but, like it when Cal's not near her so she can push him away. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she, she mentally chastises him here for not having the stones to show up and comfort her. Why would he? <laughs> this he is He told clearly... you he loved you and you were like, that's nice. <laughs> that, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Why is he going to go out of his way to come and comfort you right now? And, uh, also, you've clearly proven that this is a very private thing for you mm. and your family. Right. Correct. And it may be an, a thing where Cal may feel like he doesn't want to disrespect the Reds there by showing up as a silver to the funeral for all these people who were killed by a bunch of silvers. You know what I mean? Right. There's probably a part of him that's like, I don't feel like it would I, be... This isn't I, my I wouldn't place. It be would welcome be fair, there. Right. I don't think it would be... Oh, I wouldn't want to disrespect them paying respects to their loved ones by exactly. showing up. Everything would just be really awkward. And it wouldn't be a good but situation Mary's not for thinking anybody. about that. She's thinking about herself. She's thinking about herself. As always. As always. Um, 
their mom shovels in the last little bit of dirt. She can't even cry anymore. She's cried so much. Mare thinks that the way they've scrawled Shade's name on the stone for his little headstone, you know, doesn't even look like somebody's actual handwriting. You know, she's just thinking all of this is so wrong. He's not buried in a real cemetery. He doesn't have a real headstone. He's buried in this place that he hated. He should be at home by the river. Okay, now go with me here, guys. In the woods he loved so well. Is that... I, that doesn't sound right. So much. I Take would. it up That's with the editor. Vicky, what's up here? <laughs> the woods he loved so well. I don't I, Dearly? I don't understand so well. Anyway, I just, <laughs> I just have a note. Grammar? <laughs> grammar? I need to like type this into Grammarly and see if it's like, no, that's not right. <laughs> or maybe, maybe just, uh-huh. maybe it was supposed to be like more formal sounding and that's actually more formal. I guess. Sometimes more formal speech sounds just like poor grammar to me. So, that's true. You know. That's true. Uh, now she's in the blame other people mode. Back oh. to, you know, John must have seen this coming. Turn on the blame. How hose. dare he? Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, how could this be the fate that he came upon? You know, he was way too good for this. He should have been with us longer. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. just blaming everybody because there's no real person to blame here. It's war and somebody was killed. You know what I mean? Like, I it's mean, just one of those things that happened. Blame anyone. Blame Ptolemus. Ptolemus. The guy that killed him. Blame Ptolemus. Exactly. <laughs> He's the one that actually did this. You know. I'm going with it. The, the T is silent. It's Ptolemus for Pyolimus. me now. She says, I know better than most that nothing in this world is fair. Mayor. Girl! I know. Sorry. It makes me really glad that we're only going to have one more teenager and then we're done. <laughs> it's like, just get this one through the teen years and then that's it. We're finished. Hey, I'm not that bad. No. But you're not 17 yet. Well, yeah. Valid <laughs> <laughs> mm, point. But she just, she's so frustrating. She's so frustrating. Not you, Mare. <laughs> no, you're great. I love you. I don't know. I've made it like... Three years into being a teenager, and I'm still fine. She's, she's still pretty good. You're still pretty good. You're not. You're not this <laughs> for sure. Right. Whatever this is, this, <laughs> this is not, not you. what I am. Um. She just zones out until she realizes that it's only her and Farley left there at the graveside, and that when Mare looks up, Farley looks at her, and there's just like. A storm raging in her eyes. Anger, sorrow, hurt, guilt. You know, too much on Farley's face. And she says, I'm not going with you. And Mare just nods. And she says, you've done enough for us. More than enough. I understand. Farley scoffs. You don't. I couldn't care less about protecting myself now. She looks back at the grave. A single tear drops in the most dramatic fashion. (laughs) And then... She just walks away like, you know, she says the answer to my question and then shakes her head, steps a little closer. And then, oh, it wasn't much of a question anyway. I knew deep down. I think Shade did, too. He is was very perceptive. Not like you. <laughs> and Mare still doesn't and get like, it. Mm-hmm, yep. Have a nice day. <laughs> 
what are you talking about? Later on, Farley's going to be there with a bowl of potatoes, just like, hum, 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 <laughs> and Mare's still not going to get it. Well, when Mare comes back, she is very, that's true, very pregnant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's she's pretty big by the time Mare gets back. Um, Mare says, "I'm sorry for everyone you've lost." You know, like hinting at she knows that there was another half of her family, right? That is not around anymore. Uh, Farley doesn't even bother to ask how she knows. You know, she must just figure that she's heard about it at some point in time. Mare's been hanging around with the colonel a little. Right. Something could have happened. Because she says, Shade, my mother, my sister, and my father. He might be alive, but I lost him too. Mare doesn't think that this is necessarily the case because she remembers the way the colonel was looking around for Farley when they came back. Like, right. There's two stretchers here. My daughter better not be on one of them. Uh, so Mare tries to say that you could never really lose a father that still cares for his child. And Farley doesn't really have an answer for that. Mare clearly doesn't know the history here. Right. She doesn't know why they don't really speak or why they're not close anymore. And Farley certainly doesn't have the mental energy right now. to explain it to her. Right now. Uh, she puts her hand across her stomach. Mare still doesn't get still it. Still doesn't get it. Because uh, the other one pats her shoulder. Farley's literally cradling her belly and patting Mare on the shoulder like, you poor, poor thing. <laughs> How could you be this oblivious? And so she says, I hope you make it out of this alive, lightning girl. You're not entirely awful. Aww. One of the sweetest things Farley's ever said to her. It probably is the sweetest thing Farley's ever said to her. So far, yeah. She walks away and doesn't even look back. You know, she just, that's, that's close to Farley. You can just see that's how she does it. They're in the ground. The dirt's on top of them. You move on to the next thing now. Um, Mare doesn't really have time to mourn Shade either because... Now they have to jump right back onto the Black Run and begin their mission. mission. Uh, Cal said that they should wait until the nighttime when the broadcast is going on because everybody will be distracted and they won't expect planes in the air. Because there's supposed to already be a broadcast and they're going to go in and hijack it. So everybody's already supposed to be around... Their TVs or whatever it is that this time frame has. Some yeah. sort of screens. They just talk about screens. So everybody's supposed to be around their screens for the normal programming, and then the Reds are going to come in and hack it. So instead of Mare being able to watch her promo and be all proud of it, she's going to be in the air getting ready to start this thing while they're distracted. Uh, so she says, by the time Maven's dogs come hunting for us, we'll already be in the air and on our way to the hidden airfield outside Corvium. So that's where, that's where they're heading for. Quite impressive that they have one of those. Yeah, you would think with as many people that come up there, you know, it must be, must be on the side that is not, or it must be, you know, further away, aware from, away from where the marching paths come up through. Um, the colonel then will fly under the cover of night across the border where, you know, the Lakelander army will be watching and not shoot him down, obviously, um, to begin the pressing down from 
the other side that they've planned. So by morning, they'll both be in charge of their own legions on either side, ready to, you know, make this maneuver happen. Uh, Mare had to say goodbye to her parents. Um, but this time she got to say goodbye versus last time they had to just leave so quickly because they were busting Cal out of there. Right. Um, so now she has to say goodbye. She thinks this is actually worse. Mare doesn't like goodbyes, even though, girl, your mom needs this. I was going to say, it feels worse, but she's trust sending me, it's three better. of her children. That will leave her one remaining child there with her. Right. One. Right. And also, the last time that you guys left and did this, one of you didn't come back. Didn't come back. And there were only two of you going then. Now there are three of you. So the odds of one of you coming back have just slipped even more. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mrs. Barrow is definitely doing some survival math and it does not look good. Yes. And so she tells her mom, Mare tells her mom, I'll keep them safe. And her mom braids her hair real quick. So a little Hunger Games thing here. Aw. The speed at which characters in this book can braid their hair is very impressive. I think it's just because they don't have anything else to do sometimes. And they just sit there braiding their hair. Like when you're a kid and you're bored, and your generation doesn't have that. Mine did. When it was only adult programming on TV, you couldn't watch it. And you just had to go sit someplace in the corner and braid your hair because you were bored. I didn't learn how to braid my hair until like fourth grade, so. Um, Mrs. Barrow wants Mare to also keep herself safe. Like, yes, please keep Bree and Tramie safe, but also take care of yourself we want you back as well she just kind of nods you know like "Mm -hmm, sure mom she knows she can't make that promise she really can't honestly make the promise that brie and tramie are going to stay safe either she can just do in fact she can make that promise even less right (laughs) right um we find out that despite mr barrow's outburst when he told or when she told everybody that she was going um, he is the one in this situation that reminds her that she has to go and she has to do what it is that she is planning on doing. Like, she can't yes. fail at this. You have to succeed. Everybody knows the importance of what they're doing. <coughs> so everybody's already on the black run. The Barrows are saying their goodbyes on the tarmac. And everybody's just kind of letting them have their moment you know Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like any other family is sending as many members as this family so people are at least being respectful and letting them have some family privacy before they uh before they fly out which mayor is happy for because she's either been around somebody or you know being filmed by cameras 24 hours a day and she hasn't had like a real moment alone with her family Yes. So this is something that they definitely need because it might be the last time they're all together again. Gisa gives her a little scrap of black silk that has embroidery on it. And Mare remembers it as what Gisa was working on when they went to the Hall of the Sun or Somerton and Gisa got her hand broken. So right before they go for this big thing, Mare is like, bummer, 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 bummer. She's being Mare. Yeah. Right back to, oh my God, Gisa got her hand broken and it's my fault. Again, 
No, it wasn't. It was Geese's fault. You didn't tell her to do that. But that's not, that's not Mare's. No. Problem right now. You know. She's also like, but I didn't tell her not to do that. Right. Gisa says that she has something for her as well. And she gives Gisa an earring. And it matches the ocean around Tuck. So this is an earring for her. Like, Mare has her earrings for her siblings. And now she's giving the first one Well, Gisa has to one Gisa. too for each of them. Oh, does she have them too? Yeah, because oh, they would so get she... a pair of earrings in. Ah, okay. Because now she's got one from Mare. Now, yeah, now she's got one from Mare. So the jewelry that she didn't really want. Thanks, Mare. <laughs> I, I guess you know. What am I going to do with this? Right, Geese is crying. Mare's like, I can't watch this, and gets on the black run, and off they take. And that's that's all there is to it. Like, there's your goodbyes, and they're back in the air again. So we know that. The group that Mare is taking and leading to infiltrate this legion is only younger looking people. So they have to look young enough they to all have play to pass the part. Their under 18. Right. But they also have to have served and have some sort of knowledge of being a soldier. So like the cast of 21 Jump Street. Right. But they look young enough to be in high school. No, they don't. <laughs> but they're all no. <laughs> like sure sure richard grieco was in high school i buy it johnny depp was in high school don't buy it um so that means that there are 18 uh guardsmen that she picked and um they're now sitting with them in the black run with Kalorn. And they're kind of, Kalorn is kind of telling them about how things work, you know, gr- giving them the crash course. Um, Ada, Darmian, and Herrick are not able to pass for teenagers. So they went with the Colonel and they're going to be available on the other side, you know, using their abilities to give the advantage on that side to the Colonel. Uh, Nanny, even though she's older, she can change her face to look like whatever she wants. So, of course, she chose to jump right in with the Legion. Never one to back down on an adventure. Nanny is right there looking like a teenager. Right. Marching with the rest of them. And, of course, also Cameron, since this was truly her idea. And she's 15. And she's 15, so she's actually young enough. But they really do need her uh, ability as well. Yes. Yes, for sure. And also, and the, of course, she would want to come because her brother is right, there. Right. It, it was she was going to be on this mission, whether anybody else was or not. So, of course, you know yep. she's along for the ride on this side. Um, she's Mare is jealous because Cameron still has a chance to save her brother. <laughs> Mare. Of course she is. You have two other brothers that you're taking with you that you have a chance to save as well. And also a little sister. So. This is her only sibling. Right. Like, oh my gosh. I just, oh, I just can't with her <laughs> So even though they don't look like teenagers, Calbri and Tramie are not going to leave Mare's side. So they have to do something with these three hunks of beef. Right. Uh, that they can't just. Dis- that they can't disguise as teenagers. 
but they need them obviously there. So what they're going to have to do is just try to stay back as much as possible and let the smaller people, you know, kind of be the head of all of this. I mean, even if Cal would leave Mare's side, it's not like he can really be seen on either side of the Right. Show. People are going to recognize him. So, so even though he's going to be right there in the middle of it and you're not going to be able to tell him no, he's got to stay back and just kind of be the observant one until, like I said, if something breaks bad and they've got, you know, the muscle there. So Cal tells them it's going to be three hours to Corvium because obviously Cal's also there because they need a pilot. Ada went with the colonel and they, we, other than that, we don't know of any other pilots. So there has to be a pilot. Uh, Cal has left the seat next to him empty for Mare since Farley's not with him and she's normally the co-captain. Mare is playing the petty card and she's not oh sitting boy. next to Cal. Cause Cause Cal called them. Right yeah. Cause Cal called this, uh, mission ludicrous and that it wasn't going to work so mayor's mad at him even though he's here participating and you guys need to be on the same side when you go into battle she's going to sit there and be all mad mayor is the queen of playing the petty card oh my gosh yeah petty should be her middle name maybe it is just saying it could be um the guardsmen are, you know, throwing around the rise red as the dawn, you know, trying to rally themselves. Cal is not in the rah-rah mood. No. He doesn't want to be here. He wants to go make sure everybody's okay at the notch. He's tired of fighting. He doesn't like this idea. You know, he is not down with this at all. But, you know, he... Keeps it, for the He's most here. part, pretty quiet. You know. Um, she repeats, rise red as the dawn, back to the guardsman. Cal is just kind of rolling his eyes in the background since he has said, you know, I don't belong to your rebellion. I'm just here with you right now, but I don't right. believe in your cause. Yeah. And so she's still holding him to that line of thinking even though things may have changed by now obviously his brother sending a bunch of teenagers to their death probably is going to have an effect on him yes but i would assume so no mare is mare is still fully involved in the cal is mad at me right. theory cal scowling out the window definitely helps further that but it's mostly just again because he feels like he's leading his people into something not safe, and that goes against everything that he's been trained on. You know what I mean? Right. So this goes against what he is supposed to be doing. Mayor thinks, okay, if that's how you're going to play it, then everything that you are right now goes against what you're supposed to be doing. By this time, you were supposed to be married to Evangeline, getting ready to take over, as king, you know, your life looks completely different than what it should be like. Uh huh. And? <laughs> That's a bad thing. Mare, honey. But she says that metal is forged in flame, not the other way around. So that, uh, you know, Cal probably would have been okay in holding his own with Evangeline. But who knows? It, she's worrying about things that okay. don't even matter at this point in time. Also, 
The idea is it would pretty much be just Cal against the whole Samos family. Right. <laughs> right. That's a lot of people That's that you're lot fighting. Of people. And all it takes is one errant piece of metal that you don't right. see and you've dropped. Yes, he can melt most metal when it comes at him, but he has to be able to see it or completely surround himself, which takes right. a lot of effort sometimes. So they're just flying, you know, time is passing, Mare is talking about how much everything sucks. You can't know somebody else's heart. You can't even know your own heart. I mean, she is emotionally all over the place here. She wishes that she was standing in Archeon right in the middle of a commercial sector watching her promo on TV and watching the chaos that it's going to cause Honey, you're around her. Honey, you're going to those words in a minute. Right. right. <laughs> She's like, will they recognize what Maven has become, what monster he's become and join our side? Or will they just see her as the monster for killing Alara? Um, and then using her body like that, which is right. very messed up. Like really a Kermit is. the Frog Muppet. Uh, Cal says that, you know, he looks down and he sees that there are fires in Corvium, in the city center, and in the Rivertown slums. Must be riots. So Mare knows that her message has gotten through. So she's excited, but then her heart plunges because she knows that that means that this is the beginning of the Civil War. They've started it. They've put it in place. And they have no idea how the chips are going to fall at this point in time. And we, as we know from the last basically two books, Mare does not like it when she cannot control an outcome. Right. And now she completely has lost control of this. It's going to be whatever it is. And that's driving her bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Everybody else is all excited. Because their plan has started and yeah, they're like cheering and yeah. clapping and the Reds are all excited, like, woohoo, it's beginning. You know, our people are finally starting to rise up and see, you know, what happened. Um, she's like, you wanted this, you waited for this, you made this happen. This is the bargain. You know, she's telling herself all of this to keep her from basically throwing up all over the place right. because she hates. What she started, even though she was the one whose idea it was to start it. Yes. So now she's all emotional. We've seen what happens when Mare gets emotional on planes. When it comes with her abilities, yes, because that's when she kind of loses control yeah. of her ability. Starts to spark out a little bit, messes with the instrumentation on the jet. Um, the veins start. Like, you know, the, the electricity pops out in her hands. Uh, Kalorn stands up and is like, Mare, you know, girl, you need to calm down. Uh, or this is going to be, you know, Bad. an issue. He, he stands up and, you know, reaches out to her with one arm and Mare thinks that's exactly how Shade looked when he died. <laughs> I know. I know. Smack her in the face. She says, I'm fine, but it wasn't true. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, then all of a sudden, Cal is up and like in her face. He is 
basically on fire in this moment. <laughs> That's going to calm her down. Right. <laughs> and, and he says the worst things that you can say to anybody who's freaking out. Calm down. He comes <laughs> he at her angrily, grabs her and says, calm down. Yeah, she's really going to calm down when you're doing that. Not, not coming up to him being like, hey, calm down. She even acknowledges he has no time for temper tantrums. She knows she's throwing a temper tantrum. <laughs> and yep. she's just like, yep, that's how I roll right now. And, uh, <laughs> can't. She's like, she's like, I know that he's not trying to piss me off. He's just literally trying to calm me down so I don't crash the plane, this plane. And so he's, you know, basically like stroking her hair. Mayor, calm down. I'm right here with you. He drops his voice down. You know, and basically is like, chill. But he knows that all he could say is calm down because if he tries any sort of metaphor or visualization, it's going to trigger her even further because that's just how her brain works. Oh, yes. And also, he can't think of anything to say in this moment. What can you say to her? You know, he knows that she doesn't do the rah-rah pep talk when they're on their way to something. That's not how you get through to her, you know. So he's just doing what he has been able to do best for the last several months, and that's just be there for her. So, we guys, we're going to have to split this <laughs> chapter into two episodes. Sorry we didn't warn you up front, uh, but there's just too much to cover in this chapter and not enough in the epilogue that's after this chapter. So we're going to get to, this is going to be the last little section of this chapter that we're going to cover. And then we're going to split it into and do the second half of this chapter and the epilogue on the next episode. Cause the next thing that happens here after Mare is dreaming that she is wrapped up warm and safe in Cal's arms back at the notch is that the alarm goes off and the tail on the plane and the pl- yeah, the tail just explodes. It knocks Mare off her feet. You know, she sees stars, feels blood and, or tastes blood and feels blazing heat. So Cal has been, uh, knocked over on her and he is shielding her from this fire that has erupted on the tail of the plane. Hey, Mare, you wanted to be warm. You wanted him to be near you. you yeah. Be close can, to Cal. There can you, you go. feel the heat now? Feel the heat. So yeah, a lot can happens. You feel your heat. <laughs> Sorry. Not, I mean, really, uh, what happens in the rest of this chapter isn't a ton of things, but it's it turns important. everything upside down, right? So there's going to be a lot to discuss. You know those chapters where we say everything changes after this? this well, everything changes after this. Yeah. This is like chapter 26 from, from the first book. first book. Yeah. So Cal is protecting Mare from this fire, keeping her alive, but she says... He can't rebuild the tail of the plane or keep them from falling out of the sky. But he so, can keep you from dying right now. He can keep you from dying right now, which is exactly what he's doing. But if you've ever seen a movie or anything where a plane gets blown up, it sounds like when that airlock is broken, it sounds like a freight train. So yeah. all she can hear is just like this loud roaring sound and, and then like, also people just like screaming. Yes. You know, I mean, this is a catastrophe. This is a di- disaster well, that's it's gonna going go, on. The jet's going to go down. Yeah, she's holding on to whatever she can. She says she can't tell if it's metal or flesh. And then the next thing you know, they're, you know, basically 
watching this plane just be stripped to shreds and it's just falling apart around them. So she's kind of like, uh, what's going on here? She doesn't really understand why this thing is coming apart this way. This is not what would happen in a normal Yeah, something has crash. happened. Something Mare happened. really isn't the perceptive Barrow child. No. She really, really, really isn't. Uh, it's freezing cold because of the pressure changes in the atmosphere. And the wind blowing And through, the wind right? and everything. You're, you're up in the air. And the fact that they're currently falling. Right. Hard to breathe because the oxygen level has right. dropped in there. I mean, it's... If this wasn't like a cargo type jet, all these people would be dead. Well, probably, yeah. If it was a smaller... Yeah. Air lock that they were breaching, everybody would have died. But for a cargo jet, for the back of it, it it's you're not going to get the airlock that's going to suck everybody out. Um, so she clings to something, uh, a bar beneath her that is basically the only thing that she can get a hold of, um, and is watching through half opened eyes like you're watching a horror movie as the ground is just rising up to meet them. And right as she is thinking that they're getting close to hitting the ground, a shadow darts past. It has an electric heart and gleaming wings. A snapdragon. They were shot down. They were shot Mm -hmm. down. So who has control of the snapdragons? Okay, I don't know how she thought that tail of the pl- of the jet just like miraculously exploded i think she thought She's it was married. her i think she thought that she had done it this time that she had really caused some sort of electronic issue or explosion i think she was until she saw the snapdragon she was completely ready to pin this on herself as she always is exactly because if they land and this was her fault she can feel sorry for herself if it's a snapdragon, then that's something she can't control. That was out of her control. She can't take uh, credit for I it. I can't be the martyr for this. Exactly. Stop. Exactly. But everybody else is going to be cool with it because they can pass blame. So, But Mayor doesn't like to do that. She likes to internalize the blame. The blame. So there is where we're going to end it for this chapter. Uh, we're going to cover like the last third of this next chapter. Yeah, cliffhanger. And the epilogue. Um, in our next discussion episode. So we did not want to truncate what is going to happen in the last part of this chapter because, oh my gosh, guys, you yeah. are going to freak out. So for everybody that went ahead and finished this chapter, um, hang on to those thoughts or reread on after page 429. That's the page we're going to break it on. So, um, you can read from for the next one. We'll be covering page 429 until the end of, of the, the book. book. Yeah. So jump over, uh, to Instagram. Find us there. It's where we're the most active. That page is, uh, at reading with the Rockefellers. You can find us on YouTube. We have all of our videos from the first season available for you to watch. That channel is reading with the Rockefellers. You can email us. We are again coming up on fan casting and all that stuff. So please, please, please send us in your fan casting ideas. We still need a cow, a shade. Um, a Ptolemus. A Ptolemus. Yeah, there's a few others we're looking for. So throw us that information. That address is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. And then, of course, our website where you can find all of our episodes available for download, our blog, and our smiling faces that 
website is www.readingwiththerockefellers.com. And we will be back next week with another discussion episode, Finishing Up Glass Sword. Bye. 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 Bye.